Chapter Twenty Four of *The Side of the Angels* by Basil King. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Simon Evers. Chapter Twenty Four. The consciousness of something to be suppressed was with Lois when she woke. Not yet, not yet, was the warning of her subliminal self whenever resentments and indignations endeavoured to escape control. With Thor, she kept to subjects that had no personal bearing clearly to his relief. At breakfast they talked of the Mexican rising under Madero, which was discussed in the papers of that morning. She knew that the question in his mind was, does she really know? But she betrayed nothing that would help him to an answer. When, after having kissed her with a timid, apologetic affection which partly touched and partly angered her, he left for the office, she put on a hat and, taking a parasol, went to see Dr. Hillary. The first parish church, the oldest in the village, stands in a grass delta where two of the rambling village lanes enter the square. The white, barn-like nave, with its upper and lower rows of small oblong windows, retires discreetly within a grove of elms, while a tall, slim spire grows slimmer through diminishing tiers of arches, balconies, and lancet lights, till it dwindles away into a high, graceful pinnacle. Behind the church, in the widest section of the delta, the parsonage, a white wooden box dating from the fifties, supporting a smaller box by way of cupola, looks across garden, shrubbery and lawn to schoolhouse lane, from which nothing but the simplest form of wooden rail protects the enclosure. It was the time for bulbs to be in flower, and of the spring perennials. Tulips, in a wide, dense mass, bordered the brick pavement that led from the gate to the front door. Elsewhere could be seen daffodils, irises, peonies just bursting into bloom, and long, drooping curves of bleeding heart hung with rose and white pendants. By a corner of the house the ground was indigo-dark with a thick little patch of squills. It was a relief to Lois to find the old man himself, bareheaded and in an alpaca house-jacket, rooting out weeds on the lawn, his thin grey locks tossed in the breeze. On seeing her pause and look over the clump of Wigilia, which at this point smothered the rail, he raised himself, dusted the earth from his hands, and went forward. They talked at first just as they stood, with the budding shrubs between them. "'Oh, Dr. Hilary, I'm so anxious about Rosie Fay.' "'Are you now?' As neither age nor gravity could subdue the twinkle in his eyes, so sympathy couldn't quench it. "'Well, I am myself.' "'I think if I could see her I might be able to help her. "'Or rather,' she went on nervously, "'I think I ought to see her, whether I can help her or not. "'Have you seen her?' "'I have not,' he declared with Irish emphasis. "'The puss takes very good care that I shan't, so she does. "'She's only got to, to see me coming in the gates to fly off to Duck Rock, "'and that, so her mother tells me, is all they see of her till nightfall. "'It's three days now that she's been struck with a fit of melancholy, "'or maybe four. "'Do you know what the trouble is?' he evaded the question. "'Do you?' Uh, "'I do, partly.' "'Then you'll be the one to tackle her. "'As yet I haven't asked. "'I prefer to know no more about people than what they tell me themselves.' She found it possible to secure his aid on the unexplained ground that there had been a misunderstanding between her husband and herself on the one side, and Jasper Fay on the other. "'I don't know that I can help her. I dare say I can't. "'But if I could only see her—' "'Well, then, you shall see her. 
"'Just wait a minute while I change my coat, and I'll go along with you.' On the way up the hill, Lois questioned him about the phase. "'Did you know much of the boy?' "'Enough to see that he wasn't a thief. Not by nature, that is. "'He's what might have been expected from his parents, "'the start of which they make revolutionists and anarchists. "'He came into the world with desires thwarted, as you might say, "'and a determination to get even. "'He didn't steal. He took money. "'He took money because they needed it at home, and other people had it. "'He took it more in protest than in greed, if that's any excuse for him.' "'The mother is better, isn't she?' "'She's clothed and in her right mind, if she'll only stay that way. "'She gets to one of her old tantrums every now and then, "'but I'm in hopes that the daughter's trouble will end them.' "'This hope seemed to be partially fulfilled "'in the welcoming way in which the door was opened to their knock. "'I brought you my friend, Mrs. Thor Masterman,' "'was the old gentleman's form of introduction. "'She wants to see Rosie. "'If Fay makes any trouble, tell him it's my wish.' "'I'm really only come to see Rosie, Mrs. Fay,' Lois explained, not without nervousness, when the two women were alone on the doorstep. "'No, I won't go in, thank you. Not if she's anywhere about the place. I'm really very anxious to have a talk with her.' Having feared a hostile reception, she was relieved to be answered with a certain fierce cordiality. "'I'm sure I hope you'll get it. It's more than her father and I can do.' "'Perhaps she'd talk to me.' "'Girls often will talk to a, to a stranger when they won't to one of their own. "'Well, you can try.' In spite of the coldness of the handsome features, something in the nature of a new life, a new softening humanity, was struggling to assert itself. "'We can't get a word out of her. She'll either speak, nor sleep, nor eat, nor do her hands turn. It's the work that bothers me most. Not so much that it needs to be done as it because it would be a relief to her.' She added, with a shy wistfulness that contrasted oddly with the hard glint in her eyes, "'I find that out myself.' "'Have you any idea where she is?' She pointed toward Duck Rock. "'Oh, I suppose she's over there. She was to have picked the cucumber this morning, but I see she hasn't done it. "'Has Mr. Fay told you what the trouble is?' "'Well, he has, but then he's so romantic. Always was. Land's sake. I don't pay any attention to young people's goings-on.' "'Seen too much of it in my own day. "'I don't say that the young fellow hasn't been foolish, "'and I don't say, yet excuse me, "'that Rosie ain't just as good as he is, "'even if he is Archie Masterman's son.' "'Oh, oh, oh no, nor I,' Lois hastened to interpose. "'But there's nothing wrong. "'I've asked her, and I know, I'm sure of it.' "'Lois spoke eagerly. "'Oh, oh yes, so am I.' "'So that there's that,' she went on with a touch "'of her old haughtiness of spirit. "'And she's every mite as good as he is.' It's all nonsense face talking as if it was some young lord who's jilted a girl beneath him. Young lord, indeed. I'll young lord him if he ever comes my way. I tell Rosie not to demean herself to grieve for them that are no better than herself. It's nothing but romantics, she explained further. I've no patience with Fay talking as if someone ought to shoot someone or commit murder. That's the way Matt began. Fay ought to know better at his time of life. I declare he has no more sense than Rosie. Lois had not expected to be called upon to defend Fay, but he said, "'I suppose he naturally feels indignant when he sees—' "'There's a desperate streak in Fay,' the woman broke in uneasily, "'and Rosie takes after him. "'For the matter of that, she takes after us both, "'for I'm sure I've been gloomy enough. "'There's been something lacking in us all, like cooking without salt. "'I see that now as plain as plain, though I can't get Fay to believe me. 
"'You might as well talk to a stone wall as talk to Faye "'when he's got his nose stuck into a book. "'I hate the very name of that Carlyle, "'and that Darwin, he's another. "'They're his Bible, I tell him, "'and he don't half understand what they mean. "'It's duck-rock,' she went on, "'with a quiver of her fine lips, "'while her hands worked nervously at the corner of her apron. "'It's duck-rock that I'm most afraid of. "'It's kind of haunted me all the time I was sick, "'and it kind of haunts Rosie. "'Then I'll go and see if she's there.' Lois said, as she turned away, leaving the austere figure to stare after her, with eyes that might have been those of the woman delivered from the seven devils. It was an easy matter for Lois to find her way among the old apple-trees, of which one was showing an early blossom or two on the sunny side, to the boulevard below, and thence to the wood running up the bluff. Though she had not been here since the berry-picking days of childhood, she knew the spot in which Rosie was likely to be found. As a matter of fact, Having climbed the path that ran beneath oaks and through patches of brakes, spleenwort and lady-ferns, she was astonished to hear a faint plaintive singing, and stopped to listen. The voice was poignantly thin and sweet, with a frail melancholy sound she had heard from distant shepherd's pipes in Switzerland. Had she not, after a few seconds, recognised the air, she would have been unable to detect the words. "'Ah, dinner ye mind, Lord Gregory, by bonnie Irvingside, where first I owned the virgin love I long, long had denied. Though the singer was invisible, Lois knew she could not be far away, since the voice was too weak to carry. She was about to go forward when the faint melody began again. An exile from my father's hour, an hour for loving thee, at least be pity to me shown, if love it may nay be. Placing the voice now as near the great oak tree circled by a seat, just below the point where the ascending bluff broke fifty feet to the pond beneath, Lois went rapidly up the last few yards of the ascent. Rosie was seated with her back to the gnarled trunk, while she looked out over the half-mile of dancing blue wavelets to where, on the other side, the brown wooden houses of the Thorley estate swept down to the shore. She rose on seeing the visitor approach, showing a startled disposition to run away. This she might have done, had not Lois caught her by the hand and detained her. "'I know all about everything, Rosie, about everything.' She meant that she understood the situation, not only as regard one brother, but as regarding both. Rosie's response was without interest or curiosity. "'Do you?' "'Yes, Rosie, and I want to talk to you about it. Let us sit down.' Still holding the girl's hands in a manner that compelled her to reseat herself, she examined the little face for the charm that had thrown such a spell on Thor. With a pang, she owned to herself that she found it. No one could look at Thor with that expression of entreaty, without reaching all that was most tender in his soul. For the moment, however, that point must be allowed to pass. Not yet, not yet, something cried to the passion that was trying to get control of her. She went on earnestly, almost beseechingly. "'I know just what happened, Rosie dear, and how hard it's been for you, and I want you to let me help you.' There was no light in Rosie's chrysoprase coloured eyes. Her voice was listless. "'What can you do?' Put to her in that point-blank way, Lois found the question difficult. She could only answer, "'I can be with you, Rosie. We can be side by side.' wouldn't be any good in that. I'd rather be left alone. Oh, but there would be good. We should strengthen each other. I, 
I need help, too. I, I should find it partly if I could do anything for you. Rosie surveyed her friend, not coldly, but with dull detachment. Do you think Claude will come back to me? What do you think, yourself? I don't think he will. She added with a catch in her breath, like that produced by a sudden darting pain, I know he won't. Would you be happy with him if he did? I shouldn't care whether I was happy or not, if he'd come. Lois thought it the part of wisdom to hold out no hope. Then, since we believe he won't come, isn't it better to face it with— I don't see any use in facing it. You might as well ask a plant to face it when it's pulled up by the roots and thrown out into the sun. There's nothing left to face. But you're not pulled up by the roots, Rosie. Your roots are still in the soil. You've people who need you. Rosie made a little gesture with palms outward. I've given them all I had. I'm, I'm empty. Yes, you feel so now. That's natural. We do feel empty of anything more to give when there's been a great drain on us. But somehow it's the people who've given most who always have the power to go on giving, after a little while. With time, the girl interrupted, not impatiently, but with vacant indifference. What's the good of time when it's going to be always the same? The good of time is that it brings comfort. I don't want comfort. I'd rather be as I am. That's perfectly natural, for now. But time passes, whether we will or no, and whether we will or no, it softens. Time can't pass if you won't let it. Why, why what do you mean? I mean just that. Lois clasped the girl's hands desperately. But, Rosie, you must live. Life has a great deal in store for you still, perhaps a great deal of happiness. They say that life never takes anything from us for which it isn't prepared to give us compensation, if we'll only accept it in the right way. Rosie shook her head. I don't want it. Lois tried to reach the dulled spirit by another channel. But we all have disappointments and sorrows, Rosie. I have mine, I've great ones. The aloofness in Rosie's gaze seemed to put miles between them. That doesn't make any difference to me. If you want to be sorry for them, I'm not. I can't be sorry for anyone. In her desire to touch the frozen springs of the girl's emotions, Lois said what she would have supposed herself incapable of saying. Not when you know what they are, when you know what one of them is, at any rate, when you know what one of them must be. You're the only person in the world except myself who can know. Rosie's voice was as lifeless as before. I can't be sorry. I don't know why, but I can't be. Do you mean that you're glad I have to suffer? No, no, I'm not glad, especially. I just don't care. Lois was baffled. The impenetrable iciness was more difficult to deal with than active grief. She made her supreme appeal. And when, Rosie, then there's... there's God. Rosie looked vaguely over the lake and said nothing. If she fixed her eyes on anything, it was on the quivering balance of a kingfisher in the air. When, with a flash of silver and blue, he swooped, and, without seeming to have touched the water, went skimming away with a fish in his bill, her eyes wandered slowly back in her companion's direction. Lois made another attempt. You believe in God, don't you? There was a second's hesitation. 
I don't know as I do. The older woman spoke with the pleading of distress. But there is a God, Rosie. There was the same brief hesitation. I don't care whether there is or not. Though Lewis could get no further, it hurt her to see the look of relief in the little creature's face when she rose and said, You'd rather I go away, wouldn't you? Then I will go, but it won't be for long. I'm not going to leave you to yourself. I'm coming back soon. I shall come back again today. If you're not at home, I'll follow you up here. She waited for some sign of protest, but Rosie sat silent and impassive. Though courtesy kept her dumb, it couldn't conceal the air of resigned impatience with which she awaited her visitor's departure. Lois looked down at her helplessly. In sheer incapacity to affect the larger issues, she took refuge in the smaller. "'Isn't it near your dinner-time? I'm going your way. We could go along together.' "'I don't want any dinner.' I'll go home, by and by. Lois felt herself dismissed. Very well, Rosie. I'll say good-bye for now, but it will only be for a little while. You understand that, don't you? I'm not going to let you throw me off. I'm going to cling to you. I've got the right to do it, because, because the very thing that makes you unhappy makes me. In the eyes that Rosie lifted obliquely, Lois read such unutterable things that she turned away. She carried that look with her as she went down the hill, beneath the oaks, and between the sunlit patches of brakes, spleenwort, and lady-ferns. What scenes, what memories had called it up? What part in those scenes and memories had been played by Thor? What had been the actual experience between this girl and him? Would she ever know? Had she better know? What should she do if she were to know? Once more, the questions she had been trying to repress urged themselves for answer— but once more she controlled herself through the counsel of the inner voice. Not yet. Not yet. End of chapter 24